Well, the truths of this passage, and we're going to cover chapter 1, verses 3 down through verse 7. The, the truths of this passage have really been something that have ministered to my heart, especially over the last year and recently within the past six months especially. And I have come to know these truths, I don't say with a complete knowledge, right? We're all learning, we're all growing, but with a deeper understanding, an experiential learning and understanding of what they mean and what this, these truths are that we find in this passage, talking about how God is the God of all comfort. Uh, many of you have been praying for me and for my family, as you know, uh, maybe you don't know. Uh, a couple of months ago, my mom went to be with the Lord, and she had been dealing with leukemia for the past nine months, and this was something that, that really just surprised us as a family, and we all have things like that that take place in our lives, things that, that come in that are unexpected, trials and tribulations that take place that really kind of blindside us, and sometimes we see them coming, but each of our lives, each of us have been touched, have been uh, affected in some way by tribulation. And um, there are some things that we learn during those times that we perhaps wouldn't learn to the depth that we would otherwise. And while we wouldn't say that those times of, of trial are easy or that we necessarily look for them, or invite them upon ourselves. But what we can say as we travel through them and we emerge on the other side is that they were for our benefit. They were for our growth and our strengthening and the deepening of our faith. And so while they might not be easy, the Lord has a purpose in everything that comes through our lives. And so this is something that Paul is going to discuss in this passage. A little bit of a brief uh, overview of where we are in 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing again to the Corinthians after really a heavy letter of correction to them. He's visited them once again since that letter, and um, we can kind of surmise from both of these letters, church history, that there were a couple other letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians as well before sending this letter also. Now, in 2 Corinthians, He's writing with a much gentler tone, but he's also writing to defend his apostleship to which he was called by Jesus. Um, one commentator notes that some in the church had apparently taken his meekness among them to be a sign of moral weakness or a lack of authority. So the humility and the meekness with which he approached the Corinthians to some, they thought, well, this guy's a joke. I mean, who is he to be telling us what to do in the faith? But Paul, through this letter, will detail his sufferings and the manner in which he has come to the Corinthians to exhort them and admonish them in the faith. And he'll detail the authority of his ministry to them that was given to him by Jesus Christ himself. And as a part of this defense, Paul speaks first on his acquaintance with God and his care, even through the tribulations he endured while ministering to the saints. Let's read there in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies 
and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What do we see in these just couple of verses here? Well, God is a God of all comfort. God comforts and God gives mercy. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Paul begins this letter in praising God for his mercy and comfort. God is the Father of mercies, delighting in extending his hand to us. And we are so in need of mercy day to day, are we not? God is the one, he's saying, from whom mercy originates. You know, I can't help but think, um, you know, Scripture talks about, yes, our Father. He also talks about um, the enemy and how the enemy is the father of lies. And I can't help but look at the distinction between our adversary and our Father, Right, the the source of lies, the the place from which they originate, the place from which deception has its beginning is with the enemy, but the place from which mercy originates, the place from which we receive grace and mercy is God our Father. The Father is abundant in mercy. We have mercies each morning that are new. He cares for us so well, doesn't he? He's our good father. He knows about the goings-on of our lives and is deeply involved in our every minute. He forgives our shortcomings and in Christ has withheld the punishment that was due for us and placed it on Jesus. He supplies an abundance of blessing and grace that we don't deserve. And here is a man, Paul, who has so many people against him He has anything but an easy life. I mean, you think about, he goes on in chapter 11 to talk about all of the things that he endured. It's quite the list. It's really incredible what he's endured. But here's a man with so many people and things against him. He's had anything but an easy life since being saved, and yet he is in constant praise to the Lord for his mercy and for his comfort. And so he brings this forth to the Corinthians and saying, I am praising God for his comfort and for his mercy. And some of these things for which I have endured, they're for your benefit and for your edification, he'll go on to say. Paul continues there in verse 4, or at the very end of verse 3, he says, The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble, with the comfort with which We ourselves are comforted by God. Kind of begs the question, why do we need comfort? And, you know, we know the answer to this question because the sure truth is that we will endure trials in this life. This was a settled fact in the life and in the mind of Paul and in the early believers. It's been said that if you're not presently in a trial, here's your good news for the day, you're either coming out of one or you're about to head into one. They are inescapable. He doesn't say, and the God of all comfort who comforts us if you've ever been troubled. No, it's in all our tribulation. In fact, Jesus promised this, did he not? These things I have spoken to you, he says in John 16, verse 33, 
that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. See, we will endure tribulation, whether a direct result of our service to God, as the case was with Paul, or as a result of life circumstances that just take place because we live in a fallen world. Trials will come, but Jesus has said that we are to be of good cheer. He has overcome. He is ultimately victorious. So we need comfort. What is comfort according to the New Testament? Comfort is more than just the absence of pain or discomfort or distress. It can include that, sure. But comfort, as one writes in the New Testament, always means far more than soothing sympathy. Christian comfort is the comfort which brings courage and enables us to cope with all that life can do to us. Uh, As someone defines it, this is actually coming from uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it means to strengthen or to invigorate, to cheer or to enliven, to strengthen the mind when depressed or enfeebled, to console or to give new vigor to the spirits. This is who our God is. He is the God of all comfort, that no matter what we endure, He can strengthen us. He can reinvigorate us. He can bring life back into us in those moments that are deep and desperate, where we have no place to turn. He is the God of all comfort, who, yes, also soothes our soul and brings comfort to our weary mind. I praise God, just like Paul, that we don't have to endure tribulation by ourselves. What a miserable existence that would be to endure trial and tribulation without help. But the Lord is our comforter, right? The Lord has sent the Holy Spirit, the, the comforter, the helper. Jesus himself is the one who helps us as well. The God of all comfort is right with us. He's with you. He's with me. And he walks through the deep valley with us. We see that God is the one who comforts us. How does he do this? Well, he does this with his presence. See, in his presence is fullness of joy. Um, We are calmed and reassured by his presence. I can't think of, but of all the different psalms that talk about how the Lord is the refuge and the strong tower and how the psalmist time and again draws strength from knowing that God is with him. And it's almost like in those moments of deep distress, the psalmist recognizes that, wait a second, God's with me. He's got this. He's comforting me. He's giving me strength to endure. See, he's with us to the end. He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. See, just because you have endured this trial and these troubles, whatever that might be for you in your life, because I know there's a representation of it in this room, whatever we will endure, whatever you have endured, 
Just because you're in a trial does not mean God is not with you. In fact, it means that He is with you. We just must turn to Him. These troubles doesn't mean God's not with you. Perhaps He's drawing you closer than you have ever been with Him before. He is with you and will not leave you. So, His presence brings fullness of joy, brings us peace, it brings a stillness, right? Be still and know that I am God. It brings a stillness, His presence. And in His presence, we have peace. So God is the one who comforts us. He does this with His presence, but He also does this with His Word. He's given us His promises. He's given us His truth. And we can draw great strength for the day by turning to His Word, by turning to Scripture. We can hold on to the promises of Jesus knowing that His truth stands no matter what might come in our day. How incredible is that, that the the circumstances that we face, they change from minute to minute. I think we've... This year is a great example of that, is it not? One minute, things are fine. The next, they are so not fine. (laughs) Things change, and they change quickly. But the truth of God stands forever. It is unchanging. And it is a sure foundation on which we can stand. So I encourage you. Read and meditate upon the Word. And this goes so much deeper than just reading. That is important. Don't misunderstand me when I say that. But meditate upon the truths of Scripture. Cling to them. Cling to those sure promises of Scripture when everything around you is unsure. And as our pastor so often reminds us, don't forsake what you don't know for what you do know. Meditate upon the scriptures and allow the water of the word to wash over you because it's often in those times when we contemplate the truths of scripture, we find the inner man being strengthened. We find that the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it cuts to the deepest part of who we are. Right, That picture that we have there in Hebrews is that it divides to the marrow, and that is the deepest, most dense part of the human body. And it's like that knife that cuts down to the depths of our spirit to minister like the balm of Gilead. See, the word can revive your downcast heart and give you strength. Psalm 119, verses 50 through 52, says, This is my comfort in affliction. For your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. There is such comfort awaiting us in the word of God. Turn to it. Meditate. Memorize. Soak it in. And in those times of need, it's amazing how, how quickly those bubble to the surface when you need that strength and that word of encouragement. So God comforts us with His presence. He comforts us with His word. And He also 
comforts us with his people. Your brothers and sisters around you are an incredible conduit for the Lord to bring comfort to you in your time of need. I'm just going to briefly mention two instances that we see in the life of Paul uh, and to the people to whom he wrote where he sent someone or someone was sent to him to bring comfort. In Colossians 4, verses 7 and 8, Paul sent Tychicus to minister to the Colossians and to comfort them. They had some need, and they, uh, Paul wanted to encourage them in the faith and to hear their concerns, and so he dispatched Tychicus to minister to the Colossians and to bring them comfort. Uh, God comforted Paul by the ministry of Titus. Later in this book, in chapter 7, we see that Titus came to Paul and those who were around him, and he was comforted by the coming of Titus and was encouraged and strengthened by the ministry of Titus when he came to him. But have you noticed that sometimes we don't want to receive the comfort of God? It reminds me of like, you know, we have two little children, uh, and, you know, when that child is hurt or uh, distressed, sometimes they just, they refuse comfort, you know, because they want to bear it all themselves, right? And they just refuse the caring hand uh, that we could bring them as parents. You know, it's like, oh, I have just what you need. <laughs> if you would just let me comfort you, I have just what you need. And, you know, sometimes the Lord extends His hands to us, whether through His presence, through His Word, or through people. And sometimes we just, we're like, I know that, but I'm not in the mood right now, okay? I know that, but I'm just, let me wallow in my pity. Sometimes we can refuse to receive the comfort of God. We see this also in the Psalms. Psalm 77 says, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. But sometimes just in that right moment, the Lord sends a brother or sister to encourage us, to come alongside us, whether they minister to us by just doing something for us, they bring comfort with a simple encouragement from Scripture. Whatever it might be, the Lord knows, and He dispatches that brother or sister to bring that comfort in the moment we need it the most. And you know, sometimes we, we know what's coming. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I experienced this over the summer, and um, sometimes... When uh, and I thank you guys so much for encouraging me and my family. I, I um, we have drawn so much strength and encouragement from you guys as you've prayed for us. And um, I know there's so many others in this um, in this body who have experienced that same loving care and concern for us. And I'm sure I speak on their behalf. We're so grateful. Thank you. But you know, sometimes it's like. I know, like, the Bible verse that's coming <laughs> when, when the brother or sister comes. And, you know, perhaps even just a, a dismissive thought comes, right? I've heard this so many times. Yeah, I know what that says, but thank you. We may know the truth, you know, but God wants us to experience the truth. He wants us to take it to heart. Receive that encouragement. It was such a thing that God impressed upon my heart 
during the past few months, receive the encouragement from your brother and sister. Receive it. Remember that the scripture they bring to you comes from the Lord, who identifies with your suffering, and that he is ultimately the one who wants to comfort you. He's using your brother or sister as that vessel to bring that comfort. God comforts us with his people. So he does it with his presence, with his word, with his people. And I think perhaps one of the strongest ways God anchors us in in the time of uncertainty is that he does it with the promise of eternity. This we find within Scripture. But remember when the people of Thessalonica, they were concerned that they had missed the return of Jesus? Paul reminded them to draw comfort from the truth that they indeed, they hadn't missed it, but that it was coming one day, and that one day they would be face to face with their Savior, that they would be caught up into the air, and all would be well. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. A statement like that just, uh, it's hard to almost comprehend. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Brother, sister, if you are lacking the comfort of God, Allow His healing, strengthening touch to encourage your heart. Allow the God of all comfort to comfort you with the truth of His Word, with His presence, with His people, and with the truth that one day we're going to be delivered from this all. And it's going to be all made right. The new will come, the old will pass away. Isn't it interesting that from the valley we can see clearly the magnitude and the splendor of a mountain range? It's kind of hard to take in the scope of the mountain when you're on its hillside. But from the valley we can see the magnitude. I think it's so true also that in the valley of our spiritual walk, in that evil day when it comes... In that deepest moment, we can see the magnitude and the splendor of the character of God, perhaps that we wouldn't otherwise experience if not for that valley. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. If you're in that that time of tribulation, cast your cares upon the Lord. He sees you. Remember the Word and remember that Jesus is. He is with you. Cling to the promise of eternal life, knowing that one day we're going to be with Jesus. And the things that we endure right now, they don't compare to the glory that awaits us on the other side. Receive comfort from your brothers and sisters when they come to you. You know, sometimes we might think, what causes tribulation to come our way? Like, did I earn this? Because I'd really like to opt out of this. See, sin has plunged the world, as we've been studying in Genesis, it plunged the world God created into sin. The world is fallen, cursed. Sin is the reason 
the purpose for which tribulation comes. We live in a fallen world. Now, like for instance, Paul here, he endured so much of his suffering because he was ministering and people were persecuting him because they didn't want any of that gospel of Jesus being taught. They were coming against him because he was ministering. So sometimes tribulation comes our way because of a direct result of ministry. And this could show up in persecution like it did with Paul, or even more generally can come in opposition or difficulty when we're serving the Lord. So persecution or difficulty can come against us. Or how about when we sin, or when others sin against us? These things can bring tribulation. Things happen. We live in a fallen world. I wish we could stop tribulation from coming our way. But we might also ask, okay, so these things are allowed. God allows these things to take place in our life. So what is the purpose for which we endure trials? There's got to be a reason. Our God is a God of purpose. He has a plan in mind. So many times we ask, all right, Lord, why? Why did you allow this? And it's okay to ask the Lord that with a clear conscience. If we ask in genuineness, if we ask with sincerity of heart and humility, we truly want to know the heart of God. Though, if we're honest, we're not always going to get the complete answer if we get the answer why at all. And that's okay. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can step into accusation against God. What on earth are you doing? <laughs> Why would you do this to me? Why would you allow these things to come into my life? You love me and you're letting this happen to me? I think it's wise for us to recognize that we are here on this earth and the Lord is enthroned in heaven. Let our words be few. See, it's okay to inquire of the Lord, but when we move into that moment of accusation, we can learn real quickly from the life of Job. The Lord answers him and silences him. At the end, Job's like, all right, I'm a wicked man, but I know your plans can't be thwarted. See, after Satan came against Job, Job's wife asked him, so you're not trying to keep your integrity, are you? Like you're really going to serve the Lord after He allowed this to come into your life? All the children gone? All of your possessions gone? And Job answered his wife and he said, that's a really foolish thing to say. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? See, as difficult as it was for Job, this wasn't easy. He inquired of the Lord, but he recognized that God was sovereign. He has the authority to allow anything into our life. And we are in the position where we must trust the Lord. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians that there is a specific reason why troubles come into our life, why they are allowed. Here's the reason. He says this in verse 4, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, one great purpose for which we endure trials is so that we are able to comfort those who find themselves in a time of trial. The comfort that we experience when we endure hardship and trial is something that is to be shared for the strengthening and edification of those around us. We are to minister the comfort of God that we have experienced to one another. See, God wants to strengthen and encourage others around us during the hour of trial. Nothing is wasted by the Lord. Our time of trial is an opportunity for us to share how God has comforted us and for us to comfort others with the truths that God has shown us. It's also a time for our actions and our attitudes to be on display for the world to see so that they can see the strength of God in our lives. How are they enduring that? How are they standing? There's something different about them. These are things that the Lord desires to do in our lives as a result of the comfort that we have received because of tribulation. Paul says, so you can comfort others. That's why God allows these things to come into your life. Now, a couple of others that we find in Scripture, not here in 2 Corinthians, but I think it's worth us looking at briefly. We find another in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So our experience of trial allows us to pass on comfort that we have received from the Lord. But something that happens within our own hearts, in addition to this comfort that God brings, is that He develops within us a more complete and perfect faith, which includes patience. It says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, patience and a more complete faith come in the hour of trial. See, the testing of precious metals always comes with a purpose. When a precious metal is forged in the fire, the purpose is to purify and to perfect. The elements that might be contained within the ore or that hunk of metal, the elements are there already, but the purpose for which they are submitted to the fire is so that they are purified in a more perfect outcome is achieved on the other side. The substance is already there, but a more perfect and complete state is achieved on the other side of the fire. And similar to our faith in trials, the substance is there, the faith in Jesus is there, but a more complete, perfect, patient faith emerges on the other side. And sometimes we can think, the enemy would like us to think that, you know, trials come into our lives just because, you know, we, we see the word there, test, the testing of your faith. You know, the Lord doesn't just send a trial our way to see if you'll stand or fall for the joy or the thrill of it. You know, like a while we were kids holding the magnifying glass around the ant to see whether or not it will 
you know, if you get the angle right and you point out on the ant to see if it will just go up in flames right there. And that's not, that's not what the Lord does with us. It is so that a more pure, complete faith emerges on the other side of the fire. It's always for our edification and for our strengthening and for the deepening of our faith. See, He is the only one. He is the only one who can make any good from this fallen world. You mean that he can take the deepest day of my life and use it for my good? And not only my good, but the good of those around me? What a mighty God we serve. He's the only one who can redeem trial and tribulation. So, we find that we are comforted and we can comfort others because we endure trial. We find that a more perfect and complete faith is uh, developed in our life through trial, as we looked at in James. And in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, we see that God develops within us godly character through tribulation. We see a glimpse of that there in James, but in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4, it says, Not only that, but we glory in our tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, in character, hope. I find it staggering that Paul even says glory in tribulations. Like, that, that word glory means rejoice. To take joy in. Really? Take joy in? But we can. We can receive them knowing that God has a purpose. And it is always for our good. Paul will go on to say in chapter 8, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. You know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he asked God to remove three times. In 2 Corinthians 12, he asked the Lord three times, remove this. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What an amazing God. He would strengthen us and develop that character within us. So, the God of all comfort, He comforts us. He gives us mercy. We continue on in 2 Corinthians in verse 5. It says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. What do we see? When sufferings abound, consolation abounds. Paul was one, as we've seen, who suffered great things during his years of preaching the gospel and serving Christ. He was one well acquainted with suffering for the Lord. His word to the believers there in Corinth, his word to us, is that when sufferings abound, our consolation through Christ abounds. When we are weak, God bursts through with his great strength. We can be sure that when we endure hardship and suffering, we have great consolation in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the one who suffered and can identify with us and aid us in our suffering. See, Jesus comforts us and knows well suffering. He is our help in time of need. Hebrews 2 verse 18 says, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. That's from the New Living Translation, and I just love the way that it so simply states that. 
He's able to help us when we are being tested because he himself endured trial. As I mentioned before, Jesus is not distant in our suffering. He's right there with us. He knows what you're going through. The enemy would like to deceive us and make us think that because we're going through this that God doesn't care. He'll accuse, where is he now? He's allowed this to come into your life. Do you think he really loves you? Would a loving God do that? Psalm 34, 8. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. We might not always understand what comes our way. The enemy would like us to think that God isn't with us. To think that God is against us. He is for us. And He is with us in our time of need. When sufferings abound, consolation abounds in Jesus. As we continue in verses 6 and 7, it says, Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. I have alluded to this, but in plain terms, Paul there mentions that our suffering, it's not in vain. It's not worthless. We don't endure suffering and trial for no good reason. It's not in vain. The Lord has a purpose. Paul understood that the affliction that he was experiencing in his body was for the consolation and the salvation of those whom, to whom he was ministering. The tribulation he was enduring was not in vain. There were spiritual victories that were being won as he was suffering for Christ. Spiritual victories were happening in his own life, comfort and strengthening and endurance as we've seen. But spiritual victories were happening in others' lives. Salvation was taking place. People were being encouraged and comforted. Spiritual fruit was being brought forth as a result of his trouble. In fact, the effectiveness of Paul sharing the comfort of God with the Corinthians, that would prepare them and make them able to withstand even the same sufferings he himself endured. Not that they exactly endured what Paul did on an individual basis. Who could compare to his wild list of suffering that we see in chapter 11? But enduring suffering, he says to the believers, it's worthwhile. Because we, like Jesus, and according to the comforter at work within us, are able to bring the comfort of Jesus to others and others are able to be drawn to the Lord and saved or encouraged as a result of our testimony. Understand that your suffering, it provides an incredible opportunity for others to see the grace and strength of God through you. And that will witness to them. I heard from my dad while mom was in the hospital. And, you know, we were down here um, uh, and weren't able to, to commute up there uh, to be with her all the times that she was in the hospital, though we were able to be there with her. But I just heard from my dad the, the opportunities that mom had just to witness to all the medical professionals. 
and the people that walk through the doors there. They'd be like, where do you get your strength from? And my mom would just simply say, Jesus is my rock. What a witness. What a witness. See, our suffering is not in vain. As one commentator says, it is worthwhile experiencing suffering and sorrow if that experience will enable us to help others struggling with the stormy seas of life. And that is so true. You know, it's also not a suffering competition (laughs) to see who has it worse off. The point is that whatever suffering we endure, big or small, whatever comfort we receive, we are then able to take and minister that to one another. I want to encourage you as we come to a close here. Just keep walking with the Lord. These times of trial that we endure, they will shake us to our core at times. And at times we might wonder, is it worth going on? (laughs) Lord, have you forsaken me? Keep on walking. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Take up your strength from the Lord and recognize that He is with you and He is strengthening you in this very moment. Keep walking with the Lord, trusting Him and taking strength from Him. And allow God's truth to comfort your weary soul. There is rest in Jesus. There is comfort in His arms. He cares for you. And I want to exhort you, bring that same comfort that you have experienced Bring it to others as God gives you opportunity. The things that we endure in life, they are never wasted in Jesus. He has great purpose for us and for our lives and the things that we experience. And if you are in a time of trouble, do not allow your heart to be embittered toward the Lord. Look for the comfort of Jesus. Look for the way God wants you to bring his comfort to others in need. I want to close with just a couple of lines from a song that has ministered to me, to my family. Um, You might be familiar with it. I'm just going to read a, a couple of lines, a few lines from it, rather, and then we'll pray. This song is called The Promise. It's from the Martins. It begins by saying, I never said that I would give you silver or gold. Or that you would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold. But I did say you'd never walk through this world alone. And I did say, don't make this world your home. I never said that fear wouldn't find you in the night. Or that loneliness was something you'd never have to fight. But I did say I'd be there right by your side. And I did say I'll always help you fight. Because you know I made a promise that I intend to keep. My grace will be sufficient in every time of need. My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to. This is the promise. This is the promise I made to you. 
And the song ends like this. So just keep on walking. Don't turn to the left or right. And in the midst of darkness, let this be your light. That hell can't separate us, and you're going to make it through. This is the promise. This is the promise that I made to you. Father, we submit ourselves to you. We thank you that with you nothing is wasted. Thank you that you minister your comfort. You are the God of all comfort. And you are the one in whom we can take refuge. I want to give you a moment, just in the quietness of your heart. If you need to cast your cares upon the Lord, if you have, are finding yourself tonight in, in that time of need, ask the Lord to comfort you. Cast your care upon Him, for He cares for you. If you're wading through those waters of tribulation and you're wondering, for what purpose, Lord? Ask Him to show you whom you are to comfort. Just take a moment here with the Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you that you are here right now. You are with us. You are our helper, our comforter, and that we can run to you in our time of need. May you strengthen us as we go from this place. Would you help us to remember to turn to your word, turn to your promises, turn and run into your presence. Allow the brothers and sisters to comfort us and keep in focus the day that we're going to see you face to face. Strengthen us now, Lord, we pray. Go before us and bring to remembrance in the day of adversity these truths from your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.